the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is a Thursday, and it's a special Thursday today. Not because J.R. Davis is here, because he's here every Thursday possible. It's because we are just one week away now for the from the 92nd General Assembly, which will convene uh, here in uh, in Little Rock. And so I'll tell you what I, I tell everybody else when all of the state senators and state representatives all get together. Keep your hand over your wallet. <laughs> I just, it just seems to be the thing to do, to be honest. Because uh, somebody somewhere wants more of your money. I'm just telling you. Well, our goal this session is to give you more of that back. Well, that's, so that's good. The, that's the priority in a number of different ways. I'm with that. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. But let's talk right off the bat. Story today, just below the fold and on on page eight, and you know it's important, one, if it's on the front page. That's right. Now, it'd be even more important if it was above the fold, but it's below the fold, well, there's, and it's written by Michael Rick, uh, Wickline. Yeah, Wickline is the, the voice of the Capitol there, and of course, we're competing with uh, a little issue in D.C. right now, which happens to... What, a <laughs> shutdown? Oh, come on. Oh, come on. By the way, Schumer is sticking with the thing that Trump slammed the, the desk when he said, I'm done. Oh, man, I'll tell you this. I think Saturday Night Live is going to have plenty of content after uh, that uh, that Democratic uh, response. response. That the was memes, the most awkward. The oh. memes have been unforgiving. Oh, it was just – and the, I mean, as soon as they went to him, it was like, oh, that's what they decided to do. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Silly. And you know Schumer just looked – he looked like a fish out of water. I mean, he had – he didn't know what to do. It was sort of like that whole Will Ferrell, what do I do with my hands sort of thing. Yeah. He just sort of kept, you know, looking, didn't really know what and to say. And his eyelids. He needs surgery. He needs to lift his eyelids was, up. He looks was, like yeah. a Frankenstein monster. It was some original. kind of awkward. Yeah. yeah it, it really was some did. kind of awkward. My favorite one – now, I like the the Americano one, all right, with the 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 guy, the farmer holding the pitchfork yeah. and all that. I yeah. I really like that, but I really liked uh, uh, Morticia and uh, and Adams, you know, the Adams family one. Yeah, Gomez. Thank you very much, Gomez and Morticia standing side by side. That was, yeah, <laughs> that was too, you know they they are shooting themselves in the foot. The Democrats are. Here is the party that has been saying that they're listening to the young people of America, and every time they talk about something serious, they put, you know, I, I'm look, you wouldn't put me on to talk to a young person because I look old. A, and, you know, Schumer don't look young, and Nancy Pelosi's second, I don't know, take of botox is wearing off now <laughs> well the yeah the memes are hilarious american gothic is spot on it, it was I mean, funny 
it just and it was you know, it's probably the easiest Photoshop some folks on Twitter have done in a long time because it was just yeah, the whole thing was just a little weird and awkward. Shooting fish in a barrel on that yeah. one. It really has really there was. ever. I mean, you, you go back. It, it doesn't seem uh, the the response the the party that usually responds to whatever the address is right. It it just never for both parties. It just never seems to go well. <laughs> just yeah. as far as optics. I mean, did you read yeah. Newt Gingrich's article about it? And I how didn't, they really no. screwed it up, and that if they'd been the Democrats, yeah, yeah, if they'd been, I haven't read if that. they'd been smart, they'd they would have put Cortez and and Beto up there or something like that, not Nancy and and Chuck. Same old, same old. Yeah, yeah it, because that's what that. I don't care what anybody says. Every time she stands up and is the voice of the house, people are thinking it. I'm sure at least young people are. This woman's been around forever. Yeah. You know? What's new with you? Huh? Well, yeah, there was an article, <laughs> too, when she was elected speaker again that, you know, or, or some, I say article, but there was some commentary on social media from uh, some national reporters that, you know, to put it in perspective, this does not happen often. You don't have a speaker, yeah, you right. know, as you don't have an elected speaker, lose power, you know, basically nine years later, you know, get the I speakership thought, I think it only again. happened twice uh, yeah. before. Yeah, I think you're right. So, yeah, if you're talking about trying to be the party of new ideas, uh, and that's trying not the to, way to generate the youth it. vote. Yeah, that's that's not the optics are not, the not good. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry, I'm getting off on. No, no that's I'm fine. I love talking. Yeah. I, I love talking about this stuff. Here's what's interesting about all of politics now. It's getting to the point where it's not what you talk about ideologically or even politically. It's that everybody has to like you. Did you see Beto's big uh, Instagram today? I did not. Yeah, he put it, put a new picture up. I keep, I like to look at Instagram. That's better to me. That says a lot more than what Twitter says. Yeah. All right. Then you don't have to say anything. Picture's worth a thousand words, right? Beto getting his teeth cleaned. He looks like he's playing that game that you put that thing in your mouth. You know, interesting. You know, it's a picture huh. of him getting his teeth cleaned. That says volumes about what he thinks about what his people that are following him are thinking about. Isn't it crazy? It's going to be. A, I mean, how long have you been really involved in in politics now? Uh, probably what since two thousand ten. Okay, so eight years heavily. Yeah. Okay, so eight years over the eight years that you've been involved. Have you not watched it move away from policy to everything but policy? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's I do think scary. It's big, it is scary because you've got to, first of all, I think it's, there's something to be said of, you know, learning from our history. And so obviously the whole phrase of, you know, history repeating itself yeah. is something that is so important for and us we're to remember. doing it. Yeah. And and for something for us to remember and, and, and know what we've done before, what's worked, what hasn't worked. I really think this this next generation of Americans it really speaks and it's scary it is it speaks to sort of there there's the lack of substance that that folks pay attention to it's more about like you said it's the it's the teeth cleaning pictures or whatever it is you've got the um, um, Ocasio uh, Cortez up there or whatever her name saying is saying things that are absolutely 
ignorant. Yeah, but the things she does on social media as well have very little to do with with anything about substance or and policy. It, and I think dancing. it's important. Look at us dancing. Yeah, it's important to. I mean, this next generation. It's so important to know uh, where we're going, and you have to look at the past to know that. So, it's the. Um, Go ahead. No, just just the policy itself. So that's what you've got to pay attention to, and we're just. It's sad. It's just very. It's, a, it's more of a shouting game at this point, and um, and it's scary for the future for sure. All right, we've got a few moments. I want to break away from our conversation. You can jump in on this. You know Mark Lauder? Uh, I don't know him. He used to be the PR yeah. man for basically uh, uh, Vice President Pence when he was governor of Indiana. I got him oh, okay. on the line. Let's talk to him just Absolutely. for a second. We can talk about what's going on uh, with the shutdown real quickly here. Mark, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? You haven't come down and got any, uh, you know, barbecue yet. I've been waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do that. Absolutely. You got to come. Man, I keep telling you, you know, it's the best barbecue you can have. We go down to, you know, uh, you know, Corky's or something like that here locally and uh, and have some good uh, barbecue. But away from the barbecue is the big uh, the big discussion right now whether the president slapped a desk or didn't slap a desk. I mean, uh, Schumer's, he's speaking from the well of the Senate about it today. You know, it's whatever they can do to not actually talk about what's going on uh, at the border. It's really remarkable. I'll tell you, I was at the White House on Monday, uh, talked with the president, the vice president, and Secretary Nelson, and I just don't think that they truly comprehend uh, on the Democrat side the crisis we actually do face. I I, I said earlier this week, we need to call the U.S. Surgeon General because We've got two confirmed symptoms of Trump derangement syndrome. One is memory loss because they forget that they used to support border security and a barrier. Mm -hmm. And second is blindness that they can't actually see what's going on at the border. You know, you're absolutely um, correct on that. But let me ask this, because I think that Tuesday's speech and then the the uh, counter speech from uh, the Democrats and then the way they acted after the meeting yesterday with the president. The Democrats now own, I believe, the shutdown. Do they not? Uh, Absolutely. The president has come time and time again, asked them for the things that they've wanted, included things that they wanted in his budget proposal. And you heard it yesterday. The president said if we to Nancy Pelosi, if we reopen the government quickly in 30 days, will you vote on a bill for border security, Mm -hmm. which includes funding for the barrier? She said no. So basically, even though they constantly said we won't negotiate unless you capitulate. Even if he capitulates, they're still not going to negotiate, and that's why the president is so smart to to make this fight, make this stand now. Let's not forget the people who are dying and becoming addicted to the drugs becoming that are coming across that southern border. Let's not forget that the party that supposedly cares about women and children don't have a problem with a crisis where one-third of the immigrant women who are trying to come across illegally – are being sexually assaulted. They don't have a problem with the fact that 70% of the men, women, and children who are trying to come across that border are victims of violence. This is a humanitarian crisis, and it's also a crisis in our neighborhoods with the drugs, with the gangs, and it's just unconscionable that they won't even have a discussion about how to stop it. What I really appreciated yesterday was your former boss, uh, 
uh, the vice president, Mike Pence. Uh, you worked with him very closely uh, in Indiana, there in uh, Indianapolis, uh, at the Capitol. Uh, I thought it was interesting when Schumer kept saying that that uh, the president was banging on his desk and your former boss says, he gave us candy before the meeting. Come on. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you, he's still my boss because obviously I served as press secretary to him as vice president, and I still uh, serve the president and the president uh, on their political efforts right now. Uh, so that's why I was there with them earlier this week. But you're absolutely right. <clears throat> I mean, they're coming out to the cameras and just saying whatever it is they want, which they think fulfills their narrative Mm -hmm. Uh, but they're forgetting that they used to stand for these things they're forgetting that in 2014 barack obama as president talked about the humanitarian crisis going on at the southern border they forget that for 15 years presidents of both parties have been saying we need to do something and yet nothing ever got done uh, in fact, I, I just saw a video here a little bit ago. You know, Jim Acosta from CNN's down on the border right now where the president is. He's standing next to a steel slat border barrier saying, well, there doesn't seem to be a crisis here. You're right, Jim. Guess <laughs> what? It shows that walls work. <laughs> right. Absolutely. A- absolutely. <laughs> Breaking news. And what? Mark, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, we had one of our congressmen tweet out yesterday, just going back to 2006 with the Secure Fence Act. At the time, you had 26 Democrats, including Schumer, uh, Obama at the time, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, all voting for uh, hundreds of miles of fencing. And I think to the American people, they they understand, I think, more more, more as this debate goes on, that they're squabbling over a little over $5 billion for border security. Uh, and so I absolutely think at some point the Democrats have to own this, that they're unwilling to compromise at all when the president has shown uh, his willingness to compromise already. And I also tell you, I give the president a lot of credit, and he talked to me about this on Monday. He's fully prepared to to declare a national emergency and start building the wall himself. I wish he would. He's holding off on that. Because he really wants Congress to work. He wants Congress to come to the table, negotiate, compromise. Let's find a way to move forward together. And the only thing you get from the Democrats is, if without complete capitulation, there's no room to talk. And the president could take this action, and he very well likely will take this action the way the Democrats are acting. But it shows that despite the fact that the president's instinct is always get it done, get it done yesterday, he's holding off. He really wants to see this town, this this city get back to working in normal order. And the Democrats just don't seem interested in doing it in the slightest. All right. I, I got I got about three more minutes with you. So let me quickly ask you what's going on on the border right now. What is the what is the president trying to convey to the American people? I think the president wants people to understand a couple of key points. One, 60,000 people a month are currently, for the last few months, are coming across our southern border. And it's not the same 60,000 or the types of 60,000 people that came in 2012. In 2012, 90% of the people who were coming were mostly single, mostly men, mostly from Mexico. Our law allows the United States government to immediately turn them around and send them back to Mexico. The law treats immigrants from different countries differently. In Central America, we cannot immediately send them back to their country if they don't qualify for asylum or if they, you know, or the other refugee programs. We have to hold them. We ha- and then the courts have said you can't hold them for more than 20 days. 
which means then we've got to release them into the country. It means then hope that five years later they come back for mm-hmm. a hearing where a judge orders them to leave. They've lived here for five years. They're not even going to show up. Most don't. The system is broken. And they're, and our laws are encouraging it. So we've got to change the law so we can immediately send people back to their country of origin who don't qualify for asylum. And 90% of the people don't. All right. 90%. Yeah, it's terrible. And, and we've got to change the laws to stop the encouragement that, uh, that encourages the, the folks to come here in the first place. We're always going to be a welcoming country. The president said it to the American people the other night. We've got more jobs available right now than we do unemployed people. We need immigrants. We need people to come to our country that want to contribute to the, to the fabric of our nation and help fill some of those jobs that we can't otherwise get filled. But do it legally. Do it through the system. Make sure we're getting the best and the brightest from around the world, regardless of where you're from. But we've got to have laws that allow us to do that. All right, Mark, before I let you go, last question. I want you you can put on your uh, I'm a, a, you know, my press secretary hat again. And what would you tell the head of the Democrat Party where they sold the United States voters on we're the party of diversity, we're the party for the youth of America, and every time somebody of authority steps up on the national television uh, screen, it's some old white guy or girl. Well, I would tell them that they've got a long-term <laughs> problem. <Yeah. laughs> that they are being governed right now by socialists. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I think that every time they take another step down the path toward just outright socialism, and they're now openly embracing it. Yes, they are. You're losing, you're losing people in the middle of America. You're losing people in Arkansas. You're losing people in my home state of Indiana. Even people who used to vote Democrat, that's not the party of Bill Clinton anymore. That's not the party, uh, you know, the, the, your father's Democrat party. It's now turned into a radical socialist party. And, uh, and and I think that as more and more of them embrace that, more and more Americans are going to turn away. I appreciate you, Mark. i got to get you on sometime just to talk politics in general. You're, you're such a knowledgeable guy. Uh, do I just go through Ryan about that and get it set up? Yeah, absolutely. Be happy to do it. Okay. You have a good one, bro. Thank you. You Talk do. to you. Bye-bye now. Mark Lauder. I've known Mark for years I, when, when he was working for, uh, you know, the vice president. Uh, Pence uh, in Indiana. I dealt with him consistently. Uh, he's he knows what's going on, and I I want to talk more about this. I want to talk about the whole optics thing on on Instagram and all of that. I just think it's an interesting discussion of how politics are changing. Yeah, it was interesting to hear Mark talk about just you know, when you when you talk about the crisis at the border, and I think people have turned so much of this to politics but if you really take a step back and look at it i mean he mentioned it himself the last 15 years we've been trying to do something with immigration and reform immigration in the system that you know mark stated there uh, clearly is broken uh, and something has to be done so you know to uh, to sit around in 2019 and think this is some new idea when you have a president there in the oval office just saying can we just get something done yeah and that he's, and, he's been saddled with congressional inaction that, yeah. You know, and so was Obama, and so was Bush. Well, when you go back to those those conversations with with Democratic leadership, it's that's what's so frustrating because when you say you're willing to compromise and come to the table and let's work together to get something done, and and you know that on one side 
the president says we need a wall. We need this, you know, or at least a steel barrier. Uh, he's already compromised on the cost of it. Democrats have already, at some point in the in the in the last couple of years or last February, I believe it was, came forward and said, "Yes, we do want to support uh, border security." I mean, they've been they've been on record saying we support it. Now they're saying they don't support it. Mm-hmm. Now they're screaming compromise, but they're unwilling to compromise. It's it is a. I mean, that's I understand completely why the president would be frustrated. You're saying one thing, but your actions say something completely different. So it's a game of politics now. Uh, which is a shame, I think, at this point. All right, let's take a break. Don't forget that there are 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits, 2,728 rules in the Social Security Handbook. And to make matters worse, your own government told their uh, Social Security Administration that they're forbidden to offer you any personalized advice. So what do you do? Well, first of all, know that there's no wonder why as much as $10 billion in benefits go unclaimed every year because – You don't know how to claim them. Learn how you could wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits in an up-to-date guide to Social Security. You can get one from David Lucas, host of the David Lucas Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. He's on uh, Saturdays, 10 a.m., 3 p.m. To get your free guide to Social Security, be one of the first 10 callers right now, 501-653-6690. That's 501-653-6690 or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, we'll be back with J.R. Davis, the uh, government's uh, governor spokesman, and talk to him about the session that starts one week from today. But right now, 60 seconds of news. Well, PI Roofing Home Solutions has now purchased Tommy's uh, get, uh, gutter cleaning services. And if you've been a customer in the past or customer now, of uh, Tommy's, you can rest assured, because the PI Roofing team will be uh, ready to continue to provide you great quality uh, gutter cleaning that was being given to you from Tommy's, but it'll be done by the PI Roofing team. And with that recent purchase by PI Roofing and Home Solutions, customers of Tommy's gutter cleaning services can expect to get even more. What's the more? Well, it's very simple. Uh, PI Roofing also o- o- offers, as you know, comprehensive roofing and home repair expertise. You can learn more about all of that at piroofing.com. J.R. Davis is here. He's the uh, governor's spokesman. We kind of moved away to national news there for a few moments, but uh, Mark Lauder is so good I didn't want to burn the opportunity to have him on. And I know Mark, and I'm trying to get him down here to try some barbecue down here so he'll start talking about it when we get together so we can bring – the folks from uh, Corky's and you know other there barbecue you know. places more business here when they come and That's people right. come down here to, to Arkansas. All right, so let's talk about what's going on uh, with the governor. He's got he's got a week now before everything gets uh, gets going again. Is he uh, does he stand in front of a mirror in his office practicing his his speech? How long will his speech be? Was it next Wednesday? Correct. Uh, actually, it's uh, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Yeah. Right. So he'll be uh, he'll be given two speeches that day. One in the state of the state, and then he'll have his inaugural address out on the steps of the Capitol. Um, he's working on that already. Uh, between my team and, and the governor, we go back and forth, and um, so it's going to be uh, really sort of 
uh, a look back at what we've accomplished and where we've come in four years, and also a look to the future. And do you, the do you work on to, the, the writing of the, the speech? Are you part of the speech writing we do, team? Yeah, the, the governor, myself, and our lead writer, Jay Greeland, in our office, and we go back and forth, and we get a lot of input from our policy experts in the office and that sort of thing. So right now it's really uh, the state of the state is, is, is wrapping up, and the governor's working on his inaugural address. And so um, it really is it's going to be uh, an opportunity to, to paint the picture of, you know, after 138 years of Democratic control, uh, what we as Republicans have done in the last four years under Governor Hutchinson's leadership, and then also the problems we face today and what we have to accomplish in this upcoming session, which is um, – I was speaking to Mike Wickline the other day, and and even you know Mike and some of the reporters at the Capitol realized that we've got a lot of big undertaking uh, under, undertakings um, in the 2019 legislative session, from tax cut and reform to the transformation plan, which I know we're going to get to here in a minute, and teacher pay, juvenile justice reform, uh, highways. I mean, it's there's a lot um, on the agenda this this session, so it's certainly going to be consequential. Um, but I think you'll see that reflected in the governor's remarks on Tuesday. Yeah, just an aside question of my own. You know, every state of the state or inaugural address, you're always looking to strike a, a template uh, phrase that kind of encapsulates yeah. what you're trying to do. I mean, you and these other folks that are involved in this, how difficult is it to find, you know, uh, ask not, you know, what you know, your country yeah. can you what can you do for your country and things of that nature? Well, I think you have to write to it naturally. I think you have to you know really outline what is your message to the people of Arkansas. And Governor Hutchinson's so good at doing this. I mean, he knows what he he knows uh, what he wants to accomplish. Um, we spoke to some reporters today, and and he said, "Look, I've been completely transparent. His approach is to just get it all out there, let people know uh, what he wants to do, and and really kind of campaign on that." Uh, uh, with media, with the public, uh, with other legislators. So I think you just, if you try to look for that line, um, uh, it's it's difficult to do. I think you just have to write to it, um, and, it and it comes to you. So I think it, it's obviously a lot of work, but um, I think the governor is going to do a really great job just, just sort of uh, looking back on four years and then looking ahead to the next four because uh, we can make a tremendous difference in eight years in office, and I know he's excited about this session. And, and the people of Arkansas should be. Uh, I think there's a real, real big opportunity here uh, for major tax reform, put money back in people's pockets, uh, really um, tack on to the successes we've had over the last four years with economic development, the unemployment rate in Arkansas. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but we've already moved more than 4,600 Arkansas Works participants mm-hmm. into work from June. Uh, that's That's a huge number. Um, and so it's all about connecting people to work and creating opportunity. Uh, and the governor's theme for the inauguration is together for success. And I think that that's, that's really going to be the theme of it. Together we can do a lot. And we have, to, we have to remind each other while there may be different avenues to get to something, we know we all have the same goal. And that's what we, we really want to accomplish. Okay, so with that in mind, where are we, uh, these people who keep trying to sue us about the, the work, uh, you got to work to be able to get on to, you know, Arkansas Works, a report that you're trying to find work. Where are we on that? Are are we winning that, that case thus far? Well, I mean, the governor's confident that the work requirements will stay in place, you know, regardless of, of that 
you know DC uh, court's opinion of this. I think that we'll be able to keep it in place, and ultimately we will win it. Um, I think that you have to look at Kentucky uh, when that decision was made. It, it hadn't been implemented yet. Arkansas, right. we've been doing this for for more than six months now, and we're starting to see some um, some of the numbers in in their. I mean, they're great. They really are. When you look at um, uh, those that are entering the the workforce, that's the whole goal of this program. Uh, So I think you'll see a decision sometime in March, um, and then we'll we'll take it from there. But uh, I I think, you know, if you look at what Nick Horton and the uh, FGA uh, group, they put out yesterday uh, some statistics on Arkansas's work requirement with food stamps, which you have to be reminded that the work requirements with food stamps – is basically the exact same thing with Arkansas Works as far as the work requirement goes. Uh, within two years, they saw those individuals who left welfare, their incomes doubled. And uh, in, I believe in two years, they tripled. Uh, people are moving into work. Uh, Arkansans are saving somewhere around $1.2 million a month from those uh, from the cost of food stamps that they're saving now because people are being connected to work and moving up the economic ladder. I think that analysis and those numbers to me, is a good indication of where we're going to go in the work requirement with Arkansas Works. We're already seeing that after just six months in um, in, in its implementation. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where this program continues to go. Uh, I think um, those who are paying close enough attention to it and that are unbiased and just looking at the numbers, uh, you're starting to see some real benefits there. Uh, and I think the people of Arkansas are are, are going to continue to see those benefits as we move forward. And there's great success stories already. I mean, there's a lady up in Harrison who went because of the work requirement, uh, you know, got hooked up with workforce services, uh, went back to school at uh, North Arkansas College there, uh, wants to become a nurse. She's already finished her first semester. Uh, and, and she told me over the phone that, uh, you know, being 38 years old, she never thought she would actually have a career. And now she does. And she's so excited about it. I and mean, that's just one story. Um, and you could go on and on. But that's that's what we're looking for in Arkansas. It's not anything punitive as much as Democrats like to say it is. This is opportunity. It's getting people uh, off of relying on government and now relying on themselves, being independent for the first time in, in their lives in some cases. So that's the whole goal of this program. We're starting to see the fruits of that labor. And I think we'll continue to see that as we go into 2019. You know, it's Nick publishes stories about that i just wonder if brummett is building himself a little room that he can get in and 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 cry and scream (laughs) and holler without people hearing him because he's you know his version of this is that we're trying to starve people and we're trying to take people away from being able to get you know services and 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 there's some agencies out there that are saying the same thing and it's just flat out the opposite yeah it really is. I mean, I think, again, Nick and, and FGA, they did a great job with putting this together. But again, it's just, I think, a great indication. Uh, it's kind of looking in the mirror and seeing what uh, what we can expect with the work requirements on Arkansas Works. So um, it's good stuff, and obviously time will tell, um, but we're in a good spot. And as Nick and company said yesterday, that Arkansas sort of uh, become the welfare reform state uh, from food That's stamps cool. That's to, good. I'm to glad Medicaid. to hear that. So, yeah. We're leading the way. That's right. We're not leading from behind. We're leading. That's right. That's right. We're leading here in the uh, in the in the country. All right. The bills filed now to reorganize and trim the number of state agencies. Story from Michael Wickline today. How is it going? How are you feeling about all of this? I mean, this will reduce the number of state agencies reporting to the governor from forty-two to fifteen. 
Yeah, we feel great about it right now. I think we've uh, obviously we meet with different groups, different associations that may have some concerns. One was the banking uh, uh, department. Um, we met with the group, uh, the banking association. We met with them. The governor kind of walked them through the bill and basically said, look, you know, if you guys have some thoughts or some suggestions, we'll certainly consider those. Um, but that's really been the only real uh, concern. And, and they put out a statement yesterday where they feel uh, satisfied uh, by where the bill is and, and what will happen to uh, the banking department under the uh, prospects of going to a Department of Commerce. So, yeah, there's 15 in all. Um, what you'll see in the next couple of weeks is uh, legislation filed on each department. Uh, and then, and that's mainly just so everyone can take a look at it, uh, get used to it. And then what they'll do is withdraw those bills and then put them uh, and then file it back into basically uh, one big bill. I think it's about 1,500 pages. But that it'll be one piece of legislation that you'll have to keep up with uh, as it moves through the legislative process, which will make it a lot easier for everyone to keep an eye on. The Farm Bureau happy now? Yeah, we've worked well with Farm Bureau on this. I mean, yeah, it's not just Farm Bureau. When you're talking about the Department of Ag or you're talking about the Department of Commerce, which would have banking, insurance, securities, AEDC, workforce services, mm-hmm. um, you know, Department of Transformation and Shared Services. I mean, everything we do touches you know, some group in Arkansas. So, of course, there's going to be people that say, hey, we have questions about this. Uh, our staff has done a great job. The governor's done a tremendous job of of having that outreach, talking folks through it. I mean, Dave, you know this. We announced this several months back. So oh, yeah. people can start Broke sort of getting a public comment period, you know, and, and I think that that's, uh, that's really, really important. So we feel really good about where we are. Uh, we've got a lot of legislative buy-in. And quite frankly, Dave, I can't imagine – a good conservative legislator voting against something like this that's going to transform state government, save taxpayer dollars, uh, and and uh, and break down some of those silos in government. All right. So when we come back, uh, Noel Ullman uh, had a uh, article today. I want to kind of talk about this a little bit. This is really a a Little Rock deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, the uh, thirty crossing, and and not, you know, I mean. People have been fighting against this. I wish you'd just sit down and shut up and know that they're not going to direct the traffic downtown Little Rock. That's, that goes totally against what needs to be done. But the cost and what's being asked in it has risen to $1 billion. Uh, the state has budgeted $535 million, and the firm that's supposed to do this says, hey, you have to pare the wish list down. Let's talk a little bit about that because this is uh, the state money that's going to be used and see how the governor is feeling about that and uh, to talk a, a couple of moments about the the pot outlets yeah. now that are going to be opening up here in the near future. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. J.R. Davis is our guest, governor spokesman. He's excited about next Thursday because he doesn't have to drive over to my studio. You can just walk up. Hallelujah. Now, are you guys on the same floor that I'm going to be on? Uh, We're on the second, so you'll be on the third. You've got to walk up a flight of stairs. trust me. You'll get some work in. Yeah, that's okay. I'll take those stairs every day. You know, just that small walk out from the Capitol to your car when it gets cold out here. That's that's, uh, (laughs) kind of difficult. Especially when it's raining. That's right. All right, don't forget about Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. I'll... Cars and trucks reach the end of their life for one of two reasons. Either they're in a wreck or they just give up the ghost. Uh, And uh, if that happens, uh, Sonny's goes out and finds those good total cars that still 
have uh, those interior parts in good shape inside, and he buys the car, then they strip them of all the parts, and they test every part, make sure that they are up to uh, Sonny's, uh, you know, way of doing things and uh, put them back on sale, and you can put those parts on your car. For instance, I've got a brand-new motor in my car. Got it from Sonny's. Instead of having a GMC motor, I got an Oldsmobile in my car now. Uh, I haven't seen any fighting amongst the parts yet. Just know that uh, things are going all right. But that's what where Sonny's saves you money. Uh, putting in the motor, all of the uh, necessary work to do it, cost me a, a tad under $3,000. And uh, if I went out and bought a brand-new car, and was making monthly payments, and let's say it was the same car in Acadia, which would cost me around $39,000 and up uh, now, depending on what I put on it. Uh, and I had about half the good stuff on this one. So I'm going to say it'd be about forty-two. I'd be On five-year loan, I'd be paying somewhere probably close to $700 a month. Uh, doesn't take long to get $3,000 if you're paying $700 a month, I'm just telling you. So I'm going to be saving, uh, you know, uh, about uh, seven months of car payments by doing it this way. So that's a lot of money. And you can get the one, two, or three-year warranties on all the parts and labor. All you have to do is call the folks at Sonny's, 982-7451, 982-7451. All right, we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show don't forget about my good friends, uh, Applied Research of uh, Arkansas. Uh, ARCArkansas.com is their website. Go there if you're interested in any of their research and being part of it. You go there and uh, you can sign up for it. They'll talk to you. They'll ask some questions. And if uh, you uh, meet their requirements, you can be part of their studies. Right now, they want you to know if you have warts, and there's nothing worse than having a wart or warts on your hands, invisible, things of that nature, and you're ready to take action, they have new clinical studies that can wipe those warts away. Uh, Participants receive free study-related care and medication as well as compensation for time and travel. So you can apply online or call today. Again, remember to apply online, A-R-C, those are individual letters, ARCArkansas.com, or call 501-954-7822. I got J.R. Davis here. He is, of course, the governor's spokesman. Um, Now that we're going to be up by the um, Capitol, going to be inside the Capitol on the third floor, See if we can't get the governor to stop by once in a while and, and talk about how things are going. Yeah. That way it won't take so much of his time. Yeah. He can get right over. He doesn't yeah, have to he, get a driver to bring him over here. That's right. Be easy. It's <laughs> same same amount of steps from uh, I'm just on the opposite end, so there you go. <laughs> okay. Anyway, this uh, interesting article uh, in today's paper in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and it's on the front page, and well, it should be. Because they've been talking about this for a long time now. It seems like forever. I know it hasn't been that way. It just seems that way. And that is building or rebuilding the bridge that goes over the Arkansas River on Highway 30 into North Little Rock. And that would be the 
JFK exit there, mm-hmm. and then down to, to uh, 40. And uh, from before that, where it was uh, three lanes coming into two lanes from uh, the uh, that would be coming from the west going to the east. And I was stunned when I saw that the the cost of this, and if, if, if I remember, it was hundreds of millions of dollars at the beginning, but they've added so much to it now that the team that was selected by the Arkansas Highway Commission uh, to provide the final design uh, and build it, which is only 6.7 miles of the interstate, co- uh, interstate corridor, uh, put the price tag for 6.7 miles again, $1 billion. And uh, I guess the state... Highway Department saying, "Hey, we got five hundred and thirty-five million. We don't have one billion. What? So, what happens here? Does the does the governor get involved in something like this? Well, I think again, it's it's one of those uh, lessons in state government that you know, obviously, the the Highway Department is uh, separate and apart, uh, kind of on their own island. There, they're not in the executive branch, so they have they you know, at some point, the governor can." Um, chime in as he's done uh, and make his preferences known uh, but at the same time it's director uh, Bennett and uh, the highway commissioners that ultimately make those decisions I think part of the story is they're there we're behind on the project it's yeah. it's obviously grown uh, as far as cost they're trying this uh, newer way to uh, construct these um, projects with a build design as they sort of uh, uh, I basically, for lack of a better way to put it, you know, kind of build and design as you go sort of thing. Um, and it's supposedly supposed to cut down on those costs. From my perspective and a, and a perspective of taxpayer, um, you know, I think that if, if it was already uh, slated to be a $535 million project, uh, that's the budget, you know, and, and you got to work within that. And so um, I think that's something they're obviously looking at. Uh, the governor, on the uh, flip side, is focused very much on a solution to a long-term highway fix, um, which we'll obviously be discussing quite a bit during the session. Um, and and obviously, infrastructure is a, a very important thing to a state like Arkansas, to any state, but especially if you're trying to grow and bring um, more economic development to the state. You know, on the western side, from Texarkana. Uh, or excuse me, from Fort Smith down to Texarkana, you know, 412 up north, just connecting all the different areas of Arkansas. Uh, that's his goal. Uh, that's what he wants to focus on. Uh, and we'll see where this ends up going. Okay, so we got 60 seconds left. Okay. Let me ask this question. All right. Is, do you know of any legislation that it perhaps might be being put together, maybe introduced in the next session, that will change the way we do highways in Arkansas? I think you have to stay tuned. I think there's a lot of ideas uh, okay. on highways. Uh, as far as, you know, if you're talking about moving something under the executive branch, that would obviously have to be an initiated, or excuse me, a referred act to the people. But as far as funding goes, you're going to see a lot of ideas come from legislators uh, and the governor's office in this session. See you at the Capitol next week. All right. I get to, to come it. on your turf. That's right. Dave Ellswick Show will be back in just a moment. All right. Back. We're uh, waiting to talk to uh, James Greenwood. He's supposed to join us here at 3 o'clock. He, uh, James uh, Greenwood is an American politician. He was part of the Republican Party. Uh, he represented Pennsylvania's 8th Congressional District for six terms uh, in the United States House of Representatives. He is now president and CEO, and this is why we want to talk to him today, 
of the Biotechnology Innovative Organization. He uh, took that over in 2004. So we're looking forward to talking to him today. And, uh, you know, like why does the way that uh, European countries uh, act towards uh, medicines, like they don't, they allow companies to share patents well and the development costs yeah and all of that they don't have any of that stuff and that can have a a a direct effect upon uh medicare uh patients who are typically on uh you know a controlled or a set uh, amount of money per month to live on so uh, we want to talk to him about that uh, what about what the president is thinking about uh, the, you know, the pharmaceuticals that are out there and what should you do and shouldn't do? And I mean, he can talk about all this. So we're going to try to get him on the air. Uh, he's at a big conference that's going on in San Francisco. I, I hope that and I know he's on several panels. And I hope that he's not stuck on one and he can't get to us because it's, uh, it's it's really important things that uh, we w- we want to talk about. Uh, wanted to uh, tip you a little bit to next Thursday when our coverage of what's going on uh, in state government will begin uh, with the 92nd annual um, assembly, general assembly. And uh, we've got, of course, JR will be on in the first hour, but also coming up uh, that day, I've got a new app on my phone. Uh, and it, iPhone people had it, I think, a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Longer ago than yeah. that. <laughs> and, uh, but now Android phone users can get it, and I've got it on my phone. And it really, if you're a kind of a wonk kind of guy, and i got to be that because I like to keep you up to date about what's happening uh, with the legislature and, and with bills that are being uh, you know, put, in, put into uh uh, the session and things of that nature, I, I have added lobby up uh, on my phone, and uh, you can look at all of the different uh, House bills and Senate bills that have been, uh, you know, filed to be looked at as laws and things of that nature. And then when you hit the particular thing, it says view document. You touch you know, view document, says select the document. This one is a bill that I'm looking at. The PDF comes up, and I've got the bill right at my fingertips, and I can read it. This one here is House Joint uh, Resolution filed by Dan Douglas, uh, and it dealing with uh, an amendment to the Arkansas Constitution to abolish the fiscal session mm-hmm. of the General Assembly to provide that the General Assembly meet every two years unless convened by the governor for an extraordinary session and to provide that an appropriation made by the General Assembly not be for a longer period than two years. Mm-hmm. So That's going to be a hot one. That's going to be an interesting one that's uh, taken up. I think that J.R. kept his, clo- his, his, his uh, cards close to his vest on that last question that I had for him today. We didn't have time to really uh, pursue it. But I will be pursuing it next Thursday, to be honest with you. And and that is, 
is the way that we've got our the way that we you know break up and spend our highway money the most efficient way for us to spend highway money in in arkansas and should it be changed and uh you know that jr said it's not something that would be initiated out of the governor's office tells me that they may know something more that it's going to come out of the legislative session so we will see how it all that pans out there's rumors out there that they're going to they who knows who they are are going to fold that uh, highway department on into the regular part of the government okay i'd be really curious to see how that may come about now i'd be interested to see uh, i've been saying for a long time that the antiquated system that they're using right now needs to be brought into the 21st Mm -hmm. century Mm -hmm. and you spend the money where the cars are you don't try to spend the money where you want the cars to go that's not the way human psychology works someone told me yesterday that we have enough highway miles in arkansas to go all the way out to california and back i think we've got more (laughs) highway miles in the state of california well i think that's probably true of course we've got a geographical challenge that way because of the you know the mountains the way we're spread out however i do not personally believe that every back road in arkansas needs to be paved and I, you know, not trying to shortchange folks who live in rural yeah, areas. Not, not you have ta- to go somewhere we too. Well, but, but that's not what it's about. It's about farmers getting the product. Well, that too. You know, into the business. I understand. But it doesn't that. always have to be on a paved road. Yeah, that's you know true so, as well. And it doesn't have to be a four lane road. That's right. And all the extra amenities, including bike lanes and who knows what all else. Mm-hmm. So There's I just find it bizarre that here. it's not part of the regular part of state government in fact when i learned that i still i didn't believe it somebody had to prove it to me i said it's not part no it's not it's well, a separate entity it's, what it's like people who tell me dave what you're saying is that you're more worried about northwest arkansas and central arkansas maybe a little bit about jonesville jonesboro and and uh, fort smith where there's a lot of traffic at right now uh and not so much about the rural areas. No, that's not true. But the the fact of the matter is where the cars are at, we need to keep that up to date and keep it, you know, in the 21st century. Because if you do, then you're going to slow down the, the, the growth that we have in the state where the growth is taking place. Well, all I remember is my grandmother lived in eastern Oklahoma, and even when I was a child, we paid money. We rode on a toll road to go see her. Oh, God, How don't many even, years ago? Let's not even get into that uh, that fight here today on the show, because I, I'm one of those people, I don't mind throwing, you know, a, a, a buck and a, and a quarter uh, to the state if it allows me to get around all the bottlenecks. See, I don't have a problem with toll roads. I don't either. So I don't really understand. I, I haven't done the research. I do not understand what the big negativity about toll roads is all about. Yeah. Again, you either pay to go that way or you don't. You get to choose. There's freedom there, right? You're not forced. Right. And I don't have to pay an extra tax to maintain roads all over the state that I don't use. So I don't know about that. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm... I'm touching base with the people who set us up uh, for Mr. Greenwood, and no, okay, you got already got a hold of him. I just sent him an email too, so he's trying to find this guy now, huh? 
Okay. So anyway, we're I bet trying he's to stuck get him. at the conference. I bet he is. Bitch. I bet he's at one of his uh, his panel discussions. And I'm just telling you, it's really important to talk to guy today, and, and not t- maybe not today. Maybe we got to reset it for next week or whatever. But he uh, he's one of those kind of guys that can tell us some really important stuff about the future medicine. of healthcare, biotech. Yeah. Yeah, we We've wanna, got some of that stuff going on here in Arkansas. We want to talk about that. Well, yeah, over at uh, UA of Little Rock, you know, we that's how they want to be known now, UA of Little Rock. <laughs> uh, we don't have t- time to talk about it today, but nanotechnology is big, big deal over there well, right now. Your client applied research is a biotech company. Yeah, they are here they, in Arkansas. It's all it's all going it's all going on. Okay, I just heard from uh, Scott. He says. He gave him the studio number. We should be hearing from him in just a moment. So um, I'm waiting to talk his, to him. His company is a consortium of over 1,000 biotech companies in academia and some other organizations. I can't imagine. All right. So Jim's coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. Elizabeth's here now. She's really been here for a while, but she's been really quiet. Uh, we'll be back, <laughs> and she won't be that quiet when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so let's zoom out to uh, San Francisco. Jim Greenwood's going to join us at this time. Mr. Greenwood, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Glad to have you with us. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be with you, and thank you. I actually flew back from San Francisco last night, so I'm in Washington, D.C. now, but okay. we still talk about the same stuff. All right, so you went from one part, one place that has a lot of power about certain things to another place of a of power you're you're well familiar with uh, washington dc aren't you well i am i uh, my story is i was uh, spent six years as a state legislator in pennsylvania and then six years as a state senator and then 12 years in congress and for the last uh, 14 years i've been running the biotechnology innovation organization all right so the united states as far as i'm concerned is the leader of biotechnology in the world you work with an organization or a consortium of of a thousand biotechnology technology firms. Uh, talk a little bit about here we are in the twenty first century, and uh, you know we've got uh, you know politicians now starting to talk about single payer health care and all kinds of stuff. How does this these changes these monumental shakeups that we're seeing seeing and how these companies are going to work or how you know the the, the medicine is going to be passed out to the American consumer. How this affects you all as the people who go out and get these new technologies that we all love because it expands and extends our lives. Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. And you're absolutely right. We we do lead the world. In fact, something like 57% of all of the new drugs that are invented in any given year are invented right here in the USA. And that's more than the rest of the world combined. There's a reason for that. It's not just because we have great scientists. You know, there's great scientists all over the world. But the advantage that we have is that we still have something close to a free market. Now, it's not completely free. The federal government requires that uh, our companies um, contribute about almost $100 billion a year in discounts and so forth to our to the public programs. But uh, nonetheless, we still have uh, enough uh, freedom so that investors are, want to invest in these new cures. The problem we have is that 90% of the time, no matter how good our companies are, 90% of the time our clinical trials fail and the drugs just don't work. And that's just the scientific reality. 
what that means is that if you're an investor, whether you're a venture capitalist or you're you're in the stock market, uh, you're going to lose your 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 money nine times out of ten. So when that one company does succeed, when that one clinical trial does succeed, the, the, you got to make all your money back on that. And that means that at least initially the the, the drugs can be expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually they go generic, and uh, and then they're a lot less expensive. So a lot of politicians don't like that. I understand why, but but if you look at it from the point of view of the patient, and let's talk about a retiree who's on Medicare, the real problem they have is that they have these deductibles, and it's also true of people who have insurance supplied by their employer. They have bigger and bigger deductibles. So now you need your medicine. All of a sudden, they want five hundred dollars, or eight hundred dollars, or a thousand dollars more. Some people on Medicare can pay thousands of dollars a year. And I think the biggest thing we have to do is, is, is as a moral issue, stop making patients pay more out of their pocket for these drugs than they can afford. Okay, so I want to talk about something that I've been talking about for several years, and because I always talk about the pharmaceutical companies, and people say, well. You can go to Canada and get a drug for this price, or you go to France and it's this price. Well, that's true, and it's the reason that the prices here stay so high is because of the rules that they play by in the foreign countries. Is that not true? Well, that's exactly true. The rest of the world does free ride on us. Um, most of those places, the European countries, Canada, they do have single-payer systems, and essentially uh, their parliaments uh, say, this is how much money you have to spend on drugs, and that's it. Um, and so when our companies go there and say, here's a, here's a great drug, it cures this or it cures that, uh, and here's our price, those governments say, well, we, we don't have that in our budget, so we can only pay you this amount. Uh, our companies will take that because it's better than nothing, but if every if, if the U.S. market um, came down to those kinds of level of pricing, then you know what? The, the problem is innovation would dry up and, and investors would take their money and put it somewhere else. Isn't that some of the problems that we face? I mean, I, I love President Trump. I voted for him. I, I'm behind in a lot of things that he's doing. But this, this whole thing of, of getting the government going in and dictating prices uh, to pharmaceuticals and to biotechnical co- uh, companies is not good business. Yeah, I think I think the president, uh, frankly, has taken a bit of a wrong tact on that. What I'd I, I rather him do, and that's what I'm trying to get his administration to think about, is go back to what I said about Medicare. I was in Congress when we created Medicare Part D, the, the drug program. I was real proud of that because seniors need to have pre- uh, prescription coverage. But when that was created back in 2003, um, it was created in a way that, that leaves these big gaps in what in what the beneficiaries have to pay. And I'd rather see Congress pass legislation and the president get behind it that says, look, if you're on Medicare, you shouldn't have to pay more than whatever you pick a number, whatever we can negotiate, $500 a year, $100 a month max. Um, and, the, and the program should pick up the rest. And I think the industry would be willing to come to the table and talk about how to how we can cooperate um, to try to make that possible. All right. Well, we only had you for a few moments. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap up for you, let you get on with your life. Can I uh, work with Scott and try to get you on here in the near future again? Because there's a lot more to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to uh, talk sometime when we have more time. It'd be my pleasure. All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Greenwood. We appreciate it. Jim Greenwood is with Bio. That's a, a group that's got thousands of biotechnological businesses that work together. And I know that 
you know, a lot of people don't like to hear about uh, why drug prices are so high in the United States and not in the other places because, hey, over in the other places, they don't have to deal with the patents. A lot of times they steal the formulations of these drugs. They produce them cheaper. They're only allowed to sell them for so much money. But that's not the free market, folks. If it was the free market all over the world, it'd be really low. They really would. They'd end up mm-hmm. rock bottom. But it's not that way. When you got uh, a, a governor, a government uh, financing uh, their health insurance, and they got X amount of dollars that they're going to expend on expend on drugs, and they look at the drug makers or the biotech companies that go out and discover the drugs. And they uh, and the, these people come and say, "Hey, this is what the what the what this pill does, or this this uh, injection does." And they say, "Well, that's fine, but we're only going to pay X amount of dollars for it, and it's not even hardly covers the amount of the syringe." Uh, bottom line is, uh, they got to make their money somewhere. Or they go out of business. Well, you can't hardly blame a, an industry that takes advantage of a situation that says, "Here's this money." that we're going to spend on this and you know they're just going to you know rise to the occasion and suck it all up and use it there and you know the companies that make it overseas you don't know you don't have part of that cost is legitimate overseas you don't have the standards that mm-hmm. we have here and That's you don't correct. have the quality controls and so forth and so on but i don't believe that the huge price difference is all about that yeah the bottom line is is that as he just said our government because they got their fingers in this whole business of health care. Where they don't cost, need to be. Costs them $100 billion a year. Let me give you a real quick story here and about how this works. Eli Lilly, who is the maker of Cialis and things of that nature, was making hands over fist on, on some of that. Cialis was coming down in price, by the way. And uh, they had a lot of people out. They had a whole division. Uh, talking to doctors about prescribing Cialis and and things of that nature. Well, they were working on another drug that, if it had panned out, was going to make uh, make it possible to literally drop the bottom on Cialis completely out. It was a drug that uh, would mitigate the problems with uh, Alzheimer's, and they had they were into the final trial of the drug got to the end and it didn't do mm-hmm. what they thought it would do let me just tell you eli Lilly lost nearly a trillion dollars overnight well and like mr greenwood said that puts a chill on those investors that are out there oh, putting yes. some of that money into that pipeline to get all these new drugs you know that drug didn't work out well how many other drugs you know just lost funding because they've lost confidence exactly right and that and that is what it's all about somebody has got to take the risks and the only companies that are typically ready to take a risk like that are american companies or big angel investors with very deep pockets yes yeah. One and the they're other. looking to make money. I mean, they're not doing it just to, you know, give us better drugs. That's the way it works. <laughs> That's the way it works. It, in is, it is the way it works, and it's the way any kind of product works. By the way, interesting story today. Everybody knows that it looks like Sears is going to liquidate. Did the CEO get what he wanted? No, he did <sighs> not. Guess who has thrown in their hat to buy former Sears facilities, former Kmart 
facilities. Jeff Bezos. The people who brought their demise from uh, Amazon. But in this case, Bezos is saying, we'll use those old uh, Sears buildings and we'll use those old Kmart Mm -hmm. buildings. And guess what they're going to put in them? Distribution centers. No. No? Whole Foods. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. We'll bring the story to you when we come back. Did you notice that the uh, Sears garage down down. here has been torn down? You see that big old hole was in there? I had no idea they had that big old hole there. You know the hole was in there? (laughs) I did not. Evidently, that's where they drained the oil That's the oil thing, yeah. Yeah. They could pull the car right in and they could be underneath. Russ, does that mean, and you can just say yes or no because we've got about 10 seconds, does that mean those two other big buildings are going to be torn down? That I don't know. All right. We'll come back. We'll talk about that, too. Is it, I, I heard that they're going to build another place like Target over there. All right. News is next. All right. Back with you. Dave Ellswick show. All right. I was just telling you and uh, during the before we went to break uh, that Bezos, uh, who will have a lot less money to spend, probably. <laughs> and he's, if you didn't know, he's going through a divorce with his uh, his uh, wife over infidelity mm-hmm. on his part and uh he's um uh, you know gonna be half as google rich as he is i won't say google he doesn't own google he would if he could but he does own amazon and uh, he says while some traditional retailers are having a hard time keeping their doors open amazon-owned whole foods has been gearing up to rapidly expand into more regions right now they're a coastal a basic coastal uh kind of company uh now we do have a whole foods in little rock uh right there by best buy on bowman Mm -hmm. uh know that it's there but they would like to have several more uh but the key of of having another location is you got to build it unless you can find buildings that you can just take over and transition from what they were doing to what you're doing and Sears and Kmart are the perfect easy targets right Mm now. Uh, Grocery chain Whole Foods eyeing sites that were previously home to Sears and Kmart and other struggling retailers, sources tell Yahoo Finance. Last month, for instance, Whole Foods managers Visited a site in Utah that used to host a Kmart. That store shut down in mid-2017 among its parent company's financial woes and has been vacant ever since. Now, let me tell, tell you that Kmart would love to be able to sell that piece of real estate at a decent price uh, to uh, Amazon and let them do the whole thing with Whole Foods there. They don't care now. As a taxpayer, I'd much rather see a big empty box store like that be taken over and used that way than just sit there empty like most of them seem to do. Yeah, paying in, in people they are, just look terrible you know, paying and, uh, taxes to yeah. your local community. But it's such a blight on the neighborhood to have that huge, big, empty facility because yeah. they're so big, they just kind of dominate. Yeah, Whole Foods now has more than 470 stores around the country, still a far cry from its competitors in the grocery space, including Walmart. And Kroger. 18 months after Amazon's acquisition, Whole Foods now has the money to open new locations in areas that were once out of, um, you know, their ability to do that. Uh, It says uh, 
They want to open new locations in areas that were once out of reach, like Wyoming and Montana. (coughs) Sears, on the other hand, hasn't been profitable since 2010. Over the past three years, it has closed 123 Sears stores, 205 Kmart stores, while Whole Foods concentrates locations around coastal cities in affluent neighborhoods. Sears' national footprint spreads across the country, covers a broad demographic, which uh, can, uh, of course, help Whole Foods scale up fast at a relatively lower cost. Uh, According to Neil Saunders, Managing Director of Retail at Global Data, he says there are lots of vacant retail space that they can take advantage of, and that gives them access to reasonable retail locations. Mm -hmm. But I also think they want to secure good real estate deals by filling voids and getting good rental levels from landlords as well. Landlords are also increasingly interested in signing grocery and food retailers because they can help drive foot traffic to a strip mall. Again, if you have an empty big box store, my thought would be how much is the local government going to get involved in economic development and try to go out there and, you know, hey, come take over this big box and we'll give you a tax break because we really need to fill up this empty space here. Yeah, it says. I wonder uh, how much that's going on. Guy's name is Jim Sud. He's the executive vice president of growth and business development for Whole Foods. Says uh, first and foremost, we're looking for the best location we can find. So if that's an existing center, uh, second generation space that meets all of our criteria, we're going to jump all over it. You can't hardly blame them. No. I mean, good grief. How much construction cost are you going to save by having the shell already in place? A whole lot. I mean, like they said, you can get up and running a lot quicker. And how many empty spaces you just said? Two hundred. I know a Kmart that's empty in Cabot that I'd love to see them put Whole Foods in. You know what I like about Whole Foods? And it's not the food. Is that they've got this really nice space that it has got coffee. Mm-hmm. And you get the beans, and you can either grind them there or mm-hmm. carry the beans back home with you and use your own personal little grinder. And I'm just going to tell you, making uh, coffee fresh out of crushed uh, beans Can't that you be just done cannot be Can't beat. Be it beat. tastes so good. And that's how you get Jamaican and all the African blends that you can do, or you get a couple of different coffee beans and crush them up together. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just good stuff. It's fun. It's a great way of doing it. And... Uh, the whole niche of healthy food has grown exponentially over the last decade. Absolutely. there. I mean, you go to Whole Foods, you'll be surprised. You'll see truckers and you'll see lawyers in the same aisles shopping. And you see a lot of uh, women who go there and, uh, and, and men too, maybe single parents that go there. And, you know, at Whole Foods, they'll make uh, makeup dishes for mm-hmm. you and whatnot mm-hmm. and you just take them home and slide them in the oven you know that's the future i kind of wonder about what i call full service regular grocery stores with the meal kits yeah they're, still, all they're already doing that's that coming on. kroger and stuff yeah yeah and i think people are looking for that convenience and i think cooking from scratch literally from scratch it takes about an hour to put it together pretty much anything you know that you yep. cook it's dying uh nobody's doing that anymore hardly the meal kits are starting to really take right. over when you got a a family and you're talking about you know you got you know kids and whatever 
If you have kids that are in like junior high and high school, you don't have an hour to be foot. That's exactly right. I mean, even in elementary school, you might be taking them to dance. You might be taking them to soccer. You <laughs> might be taking them to, uh, you know, to you know, little league or whatever. And and if you want everybody to be able to sit down for dinner, you got to be able to put it together when they come home and they do Quickly. their yeah do their homework or whatever, and then slide the the meal out on the table and sit everybody down and it's important that that happens that it continues to happen with families families not sitting down and having dinner together is the bane of the american family right that's, now well all the attacks on the american family but that's part of it that's why i like meal kits even though i like to cook from scratch i feel like it's helping to keep families together how funny i just looked up at fox and they're talking about the be so divorce you had it first. <laughs> yeah. No. Talking, you know, other people have been talking no, he about was, it for a while. He was caught messing around. Apparently, the National Enquirer got some word about this and followed him and his friend around for a while and got all sorts of pictures and all kinds of evidence, and then they put it all over National Enquirer. So did now you, he has to get a divorce. Did you hear what the price is on it? I saw the number. $140 billion. Dollars. Think about that. You know, you were just talking about a hundred billion. Yeah, a hundred forty billion dollars uh, is going to be split up between Jeff Bezos and his novelist wife, Mackenzie. You know, I said it a minute ago. When you have that much, I mean, even half of it gone, do you really even notice? I mean, can you even tell? But this you is, got more money than you'd ever spend ever. This ever. Is, this has got such an interesting um, statement in it. It says. They have revealed they are divorcing after a, quote, period of loving exploration. Oh, gag me. <laughs> gag me. That was his statement, was it not? It just says Jeff Bezos and novelist wife McKenzie revealed they are divorcing after a period of loving exploration. This is, the, yeah, after he was caught messing around. That's his they, statement. Yes, they, they announced it over Bezos' Twitter account mm-hmm, Wednesday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The couple did not mention how Jeff Bezos' $140 billion is going to be split. Much of, much of that dollar amount comes from his 16% ownership stake in Amazon, which hit $1 trillion in September and is now valued at just a paltry $777.8 billion. Okay, get this. Can you even think about a hundred billion? All right, a no, hundred billion. Well, here you go. If you had a two hundred thousand dollar house, you could buy five hundred thousand of those. <laughs> all right. If you travel, you could travel around the world four million. Well, over four million times. If you saved a hundred thousand dollars a year, it would take you a million years to save 100 billion i can't even wrap my head around the analogies okay so together the bezos are said to own more property than anyone in the u.s that's what i'm saying when you have that much good godfrey they live in washington which is a community property state oh boy (laughs) and that means all assets acquired during the marriage are split 50 50 Mm -hmm. unless there's a prenup oh i bet you he has a prenup i don't know how long have they been married? 25 years, yeah. I think it was. The two met in New York City when Jeff interviewed McKinsey for a research associate position at the investment management firm of D.E. Shaw, where he was the vice president at the time. They got engaged within three months of their first date and married in 1993. 
They have uh, four children, including three sons and an an adopted daughter. Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, novelist Mackenzie Bezos, have announced they're divorcing through a joint statement. Bezos is 54, shared the announcement on his personal Twitter account shortly after 8 a.m. yesterday, signed by both him and Mackenzie. No prenup. No prenup. There you go. That's been documented now out on TMZ. No prenup, so 137 million is what they're, or yeah, 137 billion. And so he's up for $67 billion to get away from that woman. So here's what it says Quote, they both agreed to this statement. If we had known we would separate after 25 years, we would still do it all again. Unquote. That's such garbage. Yeah, just saying. I mean, that's what they're I, saying. They're going to have to have no material impact on the companies, and uh, which uh, the company passed Microsoft this week to become the world's biggest publicly traded company by market capitalization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you what, Bezos, you know, he looks all right, but his wife, oh my God, he's talking about ugly duckling. I mean, Look at her picture. That's when they met. She's just a person. Yeah, and then no. now look at her. Holy cow. Can you imagine what money does? Oh, my goodness. Show the camera. Show the camera, Dave. <laughs> Show the camera. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Is this yep. on? Are we on live on Facebook? We're on. Can you, yeah, you are. Can you get my camera here? Yeah, show, show see the camera. this picture. Before and after. That's the before picture. You tell me when you got it on the, the camera. By the way, Dave Ellswick show. Uh dot com off of amazon it's on okay now that's her when they just got married now let me show you what she looks like today (laughs) i don't think she's going to have even though she's going to have 69 billion dollars i don't think she's going to have any problem trying to get this picture now to come up again where is her picture it disappeared on me they must knew i was talking about (laughs) anyway it's uh here it is she's had a lot of work done it looks like well, to me yeah i'd say <laughs> i'd say here's now here's her picture there today there it is unbelievable huh russ how she changed yep that's amazing and was it hans christian anderson that wrote the fairy tale the uh, the ugly duckling mm-hmm. yeah you could use those two pictures for it <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> i'm just saying we'll get a break in it's the Dave Ellswick Show. Elizabeth's here. Uh, Robert Steinbach may stop by in the next hour because I heard something about my freedom of speech bill that somebody's trying to kill it. We'll talk about that in the next hour on the Dave Ellswick Show. Man, we're coming to the end of uh, this 3 o'clock hour already. we only got six minutes left. Some interesting things going on, and not all everything that is worth talking about has to be something about politics, believe mm-hmm. it or not. And that that uh, that whole divorce, about that's, that's going to be the biggest divorce ever, ever. And there was another lawyer that was in the, and I didn't get into it, but talked about what is the fiduciary uh, responsibility of each member of that marriage. It was, it's really interesting. Hmm, That could get interesting. It could be a very interesting interesting. uh, conversation to Hmm. talk about that. I need to do another um, show on that and bring a divorce attorney in. Questions you better ask yourself 
before you look at that pretty piece of candy over there and you think oh nobody ever know and then you get caught I didn't. I, I did look up, and we do know that there was no prenup. No prenup. That My thought I mean, it's would be now: open. how much money did he have when he married her? Yeah, because you know that makes you wonder. Well, he didn't have Amazon. No, at he that didn't time. have Amazon. He had. Uh, and he was a nobody at that point. He was no just wonder a, he didn't get a prenup. Small, you know, he was a small, small co- uh, a company. Here's something I didn't know. I just read it. I was reading it to Elizabeth, and she looked at me like you're kidding me. <laughs> she. He was born. To a 16-year-old girl, all right? I'm not going to say woman. She's a girl. Well, as she's far a as woman. If she's old enough yeah, to have a baby, yeah. but Dave. Yeah, but the bottom line, 16 years old. Yeah. She was married to some guy. Jorgensen was his last name. He was, he, <laughs> I got to laugh. He was a member of a unicycle troop. <laughs> and his full-time job, he was making a dollar twenty-five cents. At a retail store. Well, now, Dave, again, what, what year was he born? 64? Yeah. A dollar and a quarter back 60s, then per yeah. hour wasn't so shabby. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't great. No. But it wasn't, I mean, you know, right now that sounds really, really, really pitiful, but it really wasn't so bad back then. Okay. And, and so they, she got divorced from this guy, and she gets remarried two years later, and this is a woman that really had a great taste in men. Yeah. His last name was Bezos. He was a Cuban refugee who had come to the United States, and he only knew one word in English. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hey, Russ, Jeff Bezos' stepdad was a was a uh, refugee from Cuba. Uh, his uh, Jeff Bezos' mom married him. His last name was Bezos, the stepfather. He only knew one word in English. When he came to America, do you know what that word was? Sell? No. <laughs> Hamburger. Important <laughs> he word. A word it's an important learn. word. <laughs> That's just too good. You'll never starve to death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to laugh when I read that, though. He knew one word in English. It was hamburger. Didn't say what. Didn't go any further. I'd like to know how did the guy make his living. I'd like to know if he was a legal resident when he married her, or was that the way he became legal? I'd like to know about uh, Bezos as well, about how he views his his past and how it forged him into who he is today. I really don't know much about how he even got started with Amazon or any any of that. He launched it. He said that was the future, and he was the first one to try it. I know for $10,000 right now, I had read this article, and, and I, I thought, man, I wish I had ten grand. <laughs> uh, you can start your own delivery business for Amazon, delivering stuff for Amazon. You know, he, they've been ballyhooing this whole thing about do, using drones. Well, mm-hmm. it looks like they've given that up because it's not going to be as – it can't be as time critical as getting in a truck like a UPS or – a FedEx or whatever, but he wants his own trucks. If you'll put up the ten grand, he'll give you the trucks and stuff to start it, and you can work from uh, the ground up with Amazon delivery. How's that sound? You know, delivering the food to people that they need and things of that nature. Kind of an interesting concept, and don't count Bezos out. There's no telling what he oh, might no. do. He's got what it takes to keep the business going and change. He's quoted somewhere here as saying that retail business, you know, Amazon will go out of business 30 years from now. Retail doesn't last, but 30 years or so, he's jumping in and take over 
so, you know, we used to own a pack mail store. Yeah, Packaging I know you and shipping store. Several different franchises around the country. Most of them not around now. The internet took it over. There was one that everyone in our company always thought wasn't doing very well called Postmates. Uh-huh. They are now the delivery people for Amazon in South Carolina. There you go. So they changed they their saw business it, model. They changed their business model. And they went model. off and took, took it off. Took Absolutely. Took off. All right, let's get a break in. Hopefully, Robert Steinbach will be with us. I think he might bring a friend as well. That's all coming up next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Four o'clock hour, Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget, five o'clock hour, J.R. Davis, governor's uh, spokesman. Uh, We will repeat the first hour so that uh, you get to hear because it's well worth hearing because Mark Lauder joined us from uh, the RNC, talked about President Trump, what's happening down on the border. You won't want to miss that. And uh, he and I know each other, so it was fun talking to him today. Uh, he used to be the press secretary uh, for uh, the the VP, Mike Pence, uh, in Indiana. So I got to know him really well when I was doing radio in Indiana and stuff. Great guy, really articulate, and got the perfect voice for radio. Really does. He's really good. Guess what? Guy doesn't have so much of a great, kind of the Casey Kasem of my show. I'm just kidding. Me? Yeah, my voice is too high, isn't it? (laughs) For for radio, I mean. Hey, look, if Casey Kasem could make all the money he made doing doing, uh, American Top 40, dude, you can do American Top 40. We've got a story for you, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And, And he didn't have the traditional broadcast voice. That's true. And that's okay. That's true. I mean, he didn't sound like Jim Kingsley, I'll he, tell you that much. You know, his name really was like Kasim. He's like yeah, from he Lebanon was, or something. He was yeah. Lebanese. That's right. 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 He was Lebanese. Yep. Kind of Americanized that name. I right. liked him a lot. Well, well, you are aware of this. I mean, anti-Semitism is rampant in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of great actors that you've watched over the decades were Jewish, but they had Change changed their names, their names completely. Sure. Completely. That's that's uh, not a good uh, story for Hollywood. No. no. To be honest. All right. Just, no. just, but people don't know. People don't know. They're, they're more racist than everybody. The land of hypocrisy. All yeah, there for us to see. They are mm-hmm. the land of hypocrisy. Speaking of hu- hu- hypocrisy. Uh, let's. Whenever I hear certain people getting involved to talk about free speech, I know it's not good. <laughs> I'm not going to name the, the people today by name because we want to keep some of our cards close to our vest. But it's going to be very evident as we get into the session mm-hmm. who it, who's doing it, and they've been doing some of this stuff for a while. Uh, that is free speech, and the attack that is happening on uh, college campuses all over the United States. And I know you think it's only happening in liberal states. Not the case. It's big time going on uh, with... uh, What's Turning Point up in Places here, yeah, Yeah, here in in Arkansas. It's it's happening. Look, U of A and ASU, and I do believe UCA even, Mm -hmm. all have attacked free speech and wantonly attacked free speech what i mean by wantonly is wide open full throttled we ain't apologizing for any of this attack you're going to set foot on this campus you're going to not talk about what we don't want you to talk <laughs> that's about. exactly Period. right who was it uh, the organization 
it's the it's the folks that gave turning gave me point. yeah turning point gave me all my signs and stuff because I love those people. We see them every. Russ and I love these guys. Mm-hmm. We see them mm-hmm. every year at CPAC. Mm-hmm. They have a big set up there. I go down and get some of them. Yeah, Charlie Kirk. Candace Owens. I haven't met Candace. I got to meet her this year. Got to get her on the air. Got to get her on the air. And she'll come by. She'll talk. She loves loves radio. So anyway, uh, I bet you didn't know that if if you walk on the campus of ASU or you walk on the campus of uh, uh, U of A, or a multitude of other college campuses, you can't just say whatever you want to say anywhere on those college campuses. If you try to say some things, if you, if let's say you you put on a hat that says "Make America Great Again." Speaking of, hold on a second. As we're on camera today. Oh, we're on camera. Yeah. I shouldn't look so distracted then. <laughs> Here we go. Put it on. There it is. And put my hat on. There you go. Got my Make America Great Again camp on. Now, you can't do that on campus. Yeah, I can't do that on some of the campuses here in Arkansas. They'd kick you out. Did you know that? I'm I'm asking my listeners now. Did you know that your college campus, perhaps that your son or daughter is going to, is, uh, you know, so tyrannical that they won't let them wear a Make America Again uh, hat? Because... That might hurt somebody's feelings. It might be hurtful. Somebody I'm just saying. Feelings hurt. Well, I can tell you, Dave, uh, 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 that I had an uh, interesting and nice meeting today uh, with some folks from ASU. Uh, and uh, listen, I don't know what's going to come of it, uh, but it, I, I enjoyed the meeting. I thought we had Robert. A, they just wanted to know where you're coming from, so be. they know how hard to fight against you. Well, but if that's the case, Dave, you know the answer is <laughs> they could never fight hard enough. That's right, right? If they want to oppose what I have to say, they're they're not going to fight hard enough. That's for anybody. But no, in all seriousness, we had a nice meeting. We might not agree in the end. I don't know. All right, back at Make America Great Again headquarters. <laughs> So Dave Ellswick. I thought that's a White House. I got well. I got. I, and, and I you just can't suddenly. See Trump. Just, I suddenly got a short in my headset. You can't see Trump from your camera. I He's got his back to the camera. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel. I feel like Jack Lemon from the Out of Towners, where you have to, the lid blows off of the uh, sewer pipe, and you can only hear the every other word the person Cindy Dennis is saying back to him. <laughs> that's how I feel on my headsets right now. It's crazy. I told you there's one with a short in it. You yeah, got it. Yeah. I got it evidently now. Anyway, I'm going to change. So don't say anything that I can't listen to, okay? Please. You're on, well, Rob. But- well, uh, <laughs> listen, if you heard only every other word that I had to say, you'd probably be better off. <laughs> no. You know about me and you, we get along so well because we get along with what we believe in. Yeah, well, I, look, I was saying today, actually, Chris Corbett is is on his way. Hopefully, he'll make it before the show's over. He had to go uh, take care of some business. Um, but I was saying to Chris, I'm a near First Amendment absolutist. And so I get it when people aren't, but I'm not sure how that works, right? Because when you start putting constraints on the First Amendment, when you start putting constraints on what people can say – who gets to make that call? Freedom Thank of speech you. is not That's freedom of speech if you don't have the freedom to say what you want to say. Whatever happened to that old thing that said, my rights go as far as your nose? Yeah. 
Whatever yeah. happened to that? I don't hear people talking about I that. I want to say anymore. my rights go further than your nose when it comes to speech. Well, further than that for speech, right. but just the idea that, you know, my rights are as important as your rights. And, That's right. you know, there's a boundary there, but you don't get to just take over well, you just know, you because raise, you don't agree. You raise a really interesting point because it seems that in uh, to the left, the nose is no longer relevant. It's no. the ears, right? So that is, if That's I have point. to hear what you say, oh my then God. my rights are more important than your rights. Yeah, I'm and, being offended and, it, and, 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 and I'm being hurt. And, and it turns it, hear it. it turns it entirely on its head, right? Because it's uh, the First Amendment means sorry if you don't like what you're hearing. Listen. Put your don't listen. Put your fingers in your ears. Turn or it off. Listen, Go elsewhere and wait just a minute. Well, of course, and we're going to give you your opportunity exactly. to say what you want to say. That's right. Even if your last name is Cortez, and it's going to be stupid. That's right. That's right. You're still That's allowed right. to say it. <laughs> and you're allowed to say it as much as you need to to hang yourself yeah. and look like a fool. Yeah, well, if she that's does what that. you're doing. She does that really well. I got to tell you, she's very good at making herself look. Well, very I like cool. the idea of total free speech, where the fools are that easy to see, instead of just you know kind of being hidden. Because if you have no free speech, you don't know who the fools are, right? Because they're not allowed to talk. Let me let me <laughs> let me put it this way: I never read Goldstein's paper screw when I was in New York. I walked past countless paper things that offered it for free uh i knew that it was going to be an ultra leftist screed and i wasn't interested but he had every right in the world to go out and sell advertising That's and right. publish what he That's believed right. and you just didn't buy it and didn't yeah. ingest it or even yeah. take it for free like no you said, i did yeah but that's fine and that's the thing where the, the left today is looking to shut down speech it's remarkable all right we're going to talk more about this it's important and you're going to hear a lot more about it when we're at the capitol here on the dave ellswick show and uh, we'll be back in a moment we got the news coming your way on 101.1 fl all right, back with you here on Dave. I won't read this story. <laughs> I, and I'm, it's not, now listen, it's not censorship. It's just that I know my company would not appreciate if I read this story. Just to let you know, CES, uh, elect, uh, the expo going out about all the new technology and stuff. Consumer Electronics Show. Consumer Electronics Show has always been about real electronics. Cutting edge. And what is happening now on the cutting edge it is all about sex. Just telling you. Every story I've seen from CES this year has been about sex. Interestingly, it took over from the virtual reality. Last year, that's all I want to talk about was virtual reality. Yeah, this year, it's Oculus robots. And all yeah, that. This year, it's robots and well, AI. Well, not only that, I mean, we're and talking. Other devices. This is using the devices that you have. I'll just give you this headline <laughs> You can use Bluetooth or your uh, iPhone. To control your vibrator. That, there has been countless I- inches of news type. I can't written. use the Bluetooth to control my phone, but that's besides the <laughs> You uh, haven't figured yeah, out how to I, set that I up I don't yet. even know how to turn the Bluetooth on. I've, I've got a <laughs> yeah. wired headset, just so there you know. There you go. I mean, it's funny. Yeah. I can show you how to do that. I'm sure. You get those and I'll set it up for you. Awesome. Now, that brings, I, you know, I can't help it. That brings a whole other thought to the idea of hacking devices, doesn't it? That would be scary. <laughs> that could get serious. Well, that that's one of the things that I am most concerned about, about driverless vehicles, mm-hmm. is is the ability to you someone mentioned. to hack into your system. Scary. I mean, I could see an assassin using that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hacking into you know somebody's car or whatever, and they say, "Well, they'll they'll fix it so it can't be." They've not fixed anything that can't be hacked. 
Mm-hmm. If you got the money, you can learn how to hack it. Well, let's speak more about freedom of speech and, and what's going on. Because I don't – do you think parents actually know, Robert, how serious this is? No. I think I think one of the biggest problems that we have in Arkansas but across this country is that parents – Send their kids off to college thinking they're getting an education. And let's be clear. And that the college has that their the right students' best interest in mm-hmm. mind. That's right. That's right. And, and the college thinks they do. And their definition often of the best interest of the students is how to indoctrinate them into or onto leftist ideas. Yes, to wisen them. That's right. There is no balance. Look, you've heard – to awaken them, to make awake, them yeah, make they them become woke, woke right? <laughs> how, how many college professors have you heard on television across this country say things like the hat you're wearing, make America great again? That's racist. How is making America great again racist? I'm racist right now because exactly. I'm wearing it. Well, and as we've talked about before in your show, Dave, you are obviously also, by definition, the beneficiary of white privilege. If that's not – And you can't do anything about well, that. Well, and, 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 and that's interesting because if that's not the archetype of discrimination, I don't know what is. That Thank is you. the color of your skin that is immutable uh, and, as you point out, cannot be changed, defines your character, Dave, and somehow in a negative way. And like I said previously on this show, I've been at Dave's house. I'd have had to walk past the Bentleys and the Rolls Royces, <laughs> climb over the Mercedes, and trip over the gold bars to get he into his house. He doesn't like using the outhouse, though. Exactly. Uh, and that's because he's the beneficiary of white privilege. That's it's right. Like, right? It's, it's clear. And I'm proud of it. Exactly. Uh, and so it's just it, – it is – this is the way the left shuts down debate because they say, oh, we all have a debate – but you can't talk about this because you're white. You can't talk about this because you're a man. You can't talk about this because you're such and such. And, you, and then who's left talking? It's like one hand clapping. The only person left talking is the leftist. And they say, you see, we're obviously right. Nobody's objecting. Yeah. That's yep. a left. That's a left. That's what they do. Right. And we, so we can't have honest debates anymore. It's really remarkable. You know, you can't say there was an article in, the, in one of uh, Chris Corbett. We're waiting on him. Hopefully he'll make it in. He sent me an article today that at some university, students were told you can't say illegal alien. Did you know, Dave? I think you did, by the way. That's the term in the law. Yep. Yes. That's not made up. Yes. That's not someone's view. That's the law. The law says illegal alien. You're not allowed to read the law on campus according to this school leftist because somebody may not like it. That's the law. And it's going to hurt their feelings. I had a student once say to me uh, very politely that they didn't like the phrase um, illegal immigrant. That happened to be the one I used at the time. But they did. I thought very politely. And I said, I understand that. That's a term I think is appropriate. I'm going to continue to use it. Mm-hmm. So there's no – I point that out to simply say you can have a discussion. But what happened at this college – I'll see if I can pull it up during the break. And what happened at this college somewhere – I don't know where, maybe California, but I don't know where. Uh, they said, you can't say that. Now, if that's not censorship, I don't know what is. And it's also bonkers. Yeah, that's, that is the government. The That's school right. is a government entity. Absolutely. And at that point, when they say you can't say this or you can't say that, right. that is government 
censorship. That's right. And how is that not the archetype of leftist re-education camps a la Cambodia and Vietnam? Mm-hmm. Right. This is this is what the the novel 1984 talked about with the phrase the term newspeak, meaning certain words disappeared. That's already happened today. That's right. You can't use this word. So then there's no word to express or, that notion. Or the words that we think mean whatever have now been turned upside down yeah. in their heads and you're not allowed to use them. You can't say illegal alien. You can say undocumented Mented. person. Well, the guy that crawled across the border broke the law. That's a criminal violation, notwithstanding what some lefties seem to think. It's a criminal violation to come across the border without papers at a not an ordinary checkpoint, to sneak across the desert or the river or whatever or climb over one of the existing fences. That's a criminal violation. And you can't – undocumented has nothing to do with documentation. That's illegal. That's what that is, illegal. And then you hear people say, oh, well, you know, there's, there's more uh, people with visa overstays than there are people crossing illegally. Now you've been, re- you've been listening right. to Cortez. That's right. right. Say. Well, f- <laughs> first of all, how do you know? When especially when they how, reject every fact that we try to tell them how about. How do you know? How, how, you tell me this. How many illegal aliens are there in this country? I don't know. <laughs> so how do you know how many have ca- come across the border secretly, surreptitiously, but you know there are more visa overstays. Moreover, even if there are, so what? So what? We've got two problems. We've got visa overstays and we've got those people crossing the border. It's, you know, it's like it's, it's a bob and weave. Hey, look over here at the shiny object. We've got the visa overstays. Yeah, and over here on the other side, we've got the people crossing the border illegally. And it's big numbers. And guess what? And both of them are illegal. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's the key. That's right. You got to work both problems. That's right. One's criminal, one's civil, and they're bro- both illegal. That's right. Absolutely. Well, you guys right. both know what fogging is. They're not talking about the merits or the demerits of these situations at all. All they're doing is trying to deflect, obstruct, and be negative. I mean, evidenced by the fact that on that particular issue, they haven't come up with a single. Not one idea. All they're doing is standing there saying, no, no, no. If you use the wrong words, no, 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 no. There is nothing else for it. I mean, it's insane. Well, watch CNN, right? Uh, Whatever people on the right, racist, racist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just fogging the conversation, though. That doesn't even mean what they say it means, right? It's not even a valid point because if you stopped and said, well, let's talk about why that's a racist, they're going to crumble like a cookie. They don't know what to say. They don't because they've been using that particular tactic since the mid-70s. Of course. And until Donald Trump, the conservatives have been fairly weak in responding to it. And Donald Trump said, kiss my big behind on that one. Or as as we would hear from Forrest Gump, you can kiss my buttock. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> it, 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 the 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 uh, the I, the time of identity politics has come and gone, mm-hmm. and the left wants to continue. Good luck, because as long as the left pushes that, I believe they are going to continue to lose elections. Now they might say, "Well, we just won the house back." Okay. Listen, we'll see what happens, but I think it is a losing strategy. But with that said, keep it up, because I want you to lose. Thank you. We'll talk more as we continue. Dave Ellswick's show tomorrow's Friday. Just to let you know what's coming up tomorrow, we'll start off with Matt Smith from Riverdale 10 and Cabot, Searcy, 
Hot Springs Theater, talking about the new movies that are going to be showing Mm -hmm. at those theaters. Tonight, I'm going to see Replicas, the new Keanu Reeves movie. Be talking about that tomorrow. Uh, About 3.30, the folks from uh, up in Searcy will be uh, visiting with us to talk about uh, their campus, Harding University, and tell us what's going on there. And from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock, my good friend, uh, Dr. Uh, Amy will be here, and we'll be talking to her about, uh, you know, health and uh, medicine that is done a different way. Instead of letting you get sick, they try to help you not get sick. We'll talk about that here on the Dave Ellswick Show tomorrow. All right, back with you. Tanner wants to talk to us. Tanner, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Well, howdy. Howdy. Well, how are y'all been? I'm fine. Get to your point. All righty. So my problem is here that uh, that people that it makes, like, I feel like that it's good that Donald Trump is building the wall. Like, I, I honestly do, because I feel like this is causing a situation. Now, you need to turn your radio down because you're hearing yourself about uh, right. 10 seconds I'm behind. All righty. But, no, I, I feel like Donald Trump, I feel like this is good that Donald Trump is doing this because, I, I mean, I, I feel like it's going to save our taxes and our the jobs, like, we're, like our taxes will go down and the job and employment and all that stuff will, will go back up. Okay. All right. You, you, you got to turn down your, I'm going to let you go. There's a simple rule here. You turn down your radio. And don't try to listen to yourself because it will throw you wildly off because you're listening to what you've said about four seconds after you've said it, and it will throw your brain into a tizzy. <laughs> so keep that keep that in mind. Call back uh, in the future. We look forward to talking to you. But thanks so much. If you want to hear yourself after you call in, go to the podcast and replay it. Yeah, that's or go to thing. Facebook Live and replay it. Yeah. You can go to Dave Ellswick. You go go to facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick show and you can go back and watch the video. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to break your bubble here. We won't be able to see you, but we will be able to hear you. So keep that in, and you'll be able to hear yourself. So keep that in mind. That's all you do. All right. Bring you back up Try to again. your microphone there, Robert. Yes, sir. That. All right. So what do you think? How does, what, what are we to, to uh, understand and let me, I guess I need to set up a little bit here. I'm the one who got tired of safe spaces. Absolutely. Okay. I got fed up, tired. It's BS. You should be able to talk about any subject you want to talk about on a college campus and uh, engage in dialogue and debate because that's how you learn. Okay. Right. Just the way it happens. And when I heard that you can't say this and you can't say that in, in certain places, especially in in classrooms, can't bring. I I have to believe there's been a chilling effect on all the college classrooms across America. 100%. That if I say this in class, hey, the the, the professor's not going to like it. He'll probably knock my grade down. Things of that nature. So you got to you're thinking about that. So the bottom line is, I want to stop. I want to make that illegal. So I I read an article from a representative. In Minnesota, of all places. I keep saying Wisconsin. Was it Minnesota? Minnesota. I keep keep doing that. Up in Minneapolis. And she had put forth 
and she's fighting this battle now too right about freedom of speech and about safe spaces and making them illegal and you know why why should i sit down and try to write everything in legalese when i can't do it when this lawyer did it and so i called her i said can i use your material she said yes she sent it to me i gave it to robert and i said tailor it to arkansas and he's done that we've taken it to uh, some different people dealing with this and uh, we're we're going to try to get this changed yeah, legally. Let's, let's Do we know clear. yet who's going to run the bill? Well, we don't know even if there's a bill yet, but oh. we have we have a document that, uh, like I mentioned to you, Chris Corbett, local attorney, has helped with. There have been some others who, at least to the, I'm going to keep behind the scenes until they tell me that you know they're happy not to be behind the scenes. Some people like to work behind the scenes. Now put together this really um, strong First Amendment bill, and and frankly, by the way, if this thing moves forward, I think we should call it the Dave Ellswick free speech bill. I mean that sincerely. I mean that sincerely. So um, this is an idea that we've been working on. As I mentioned to you, uh, folks at ASU have been working with some other folks on a different bill um, and they wanted to talk with us and I'm happy to talk with them. And so I don't know what's going to come of that uh, and how that relates to what we're doing. But we need to pass a strong pro-free speech on campus bill. And let's be clear. That's free speech for students. That's free speech for faculty. That's free speech for guests. Everybody. 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 And it can't be some third party determines that you don't get to say what you want to say. And who's the third party? It could be the administrators. It could be the bureaucrats. It could be Antifa. It can be, which Mm -hmm. is Antifa types, which are what we earlier talked about the heckler's veto uh, which is a bunch of noisemakers who seek to interrupt free speech it could be any of these people that try to shut down free speech and we have to be vigilant against that and we need to ensure that it's on the books in arkansas look we've been at the on the vanguard people make fun of arkansas sometimes and they shouldn't arkansas is a great state and what and we've been on the cutting edge of a number of issues let's go through them freedom of information yeah we are on the cutting edge of freedom of information. You think that's the only thing? No. Campus carry. That is Second Amendment. We've been on the cutting edge of that. People are following us, not the other way around. And guess what? We should be on the cutting edge of First Amendment on campus. And hopefully, we will get the Dave Ellswick free speech bill passed. All right. Jerry wants to get in with us. Let's get to him while we got time. Jerry, how are you? All right, sir. Um this, this this is just an this is an attack on the very foundation of this country. Absolutely, yes, it is the very foundation that we can that we have the right to express ourselves in any way we desire, and at the same time, knowing you can't run in a theater and haul a fire, you can't run in a a, a, a bank and see somebody go and go hi, or get on a plane and see somebody and go hey Jack, or, hi Jack. <laughs> You know, I just got that. I just got that. Yeah, I got you. And you know what? You know what? I'm not trying to be facetious. No, it's just that when are we going to do something about? I mean, something. We're telling you, we're trying. We're trying. Democrats against the wall. All right, listen up to Jerry. Listen up. We're trying to do something serious. Yeah, no, we we are. We're really trying to get something done. How how important is freedom of speech? It's the First Amendment. That's right. 
You don't have any to arrest them if you don't got that. That's one. it. And it's by the, the way, First Amendment. The, the language of the free speech clause in the Arkansas Constitution is even stronger than the federal Constitution. So we need to make sure that free speech remains exactly that across Arkansas on campus. The same way, by the way, that the legislature and governor made sure that the Second Amendment, again, it's not that in the Arkansas Constitution, but that's what we call it, right? Gun rights are are, are truly honored in Arkansas. We did that with campus carry. We're going to continue that, and we're going to do it with the Dave Ellswick free speech bill. We're also doing it in the area of what we all know is, is the bottom line of freedom of uh, of religion mm-hmm. that's that's at the vanguard now oh, with our riff right. and, and all right. that we that's have right. just know that this is not such a backward state after all that's right that's right we are really on the cutting edge of a, of a number of issues and we should be proud about it and we should discuss it and we should advertise it because this, if you want to be able to to express yourself you want to be able to observe your second amendment rights you come to Arkansas. Remember, I'm originally from New York. There are no Second Amendment rights in New York. It's that simple. I don't care what they tell you. There are no Second Amendment rights in New York. It's. I was up there recently, as you know, for a couple of years because of my mother. And I felt like I was walking around uh, under siege. On eggshells. On eggshells. Now, yeah. luckily, nothing ever happened. But that's that's the point, right? Which is, I can't, I can't rely on on the goodness of criminals all right we're out of time elizabeth thanks for coming today always thanks for having you'll me. be back next thursday next thursday she'll be Woo-woo. with me and we will be at the state capitol because we'll start our coverage of the session making the sausage yeah <laughs> not pretty just tell you that not pretty of course you'll be back with me monday sir yes sir look forward to seeing you then tomorrow fun friday don't miss it we're going to talk about movies. We'll talk about uh, our friends up there in Searcy, the university there at Harding. And we're going to talk about uh, foundational medicine. And Dr. Amy Beard will be here for that. Until then, I'll see you again tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.